Welcome to The GAC Files, a podcast about the people, issues and ideas driving Global Affairs Canada. Bienvenue au dossier d'AMC, un balado sur les gens, les enjeux et les idées qui animent Affaires mondiales Canada. And now, introducing your host, Global Affairs Canada's Deputy Minister of International Trade, John Hannaford. Voici votre animateur, John Hannaford, sous-ministre du Commerce international d'Affaires mondiales Canada. Bonjour à tous. C'est un plaisir d'avoir l'occasion d'avoir une autre conversation euh, concernant notre communauté au sein de, de Global Affairs. Um, this is a continuation of a series of chats that we have been having in this format, but also in town halls that have been led by my colleagues concerning our reaction to the pandemic and how that affects the way that we do our work. Uh, J'ai avec moi aujourd'hui quatre uh, membres de, nos, de notre communauté. Uh, premièrement, uh, André Frenette, qui est uh, directeur général et coordinateur de notre task force uh, concernant le COVID-19. J'ai aussi uh, Julia Koba, Andrew Evans, both of whom are at our mission in Ukraine, and Anne-Cecilia de Bernam, qui est uh, à notre mission à Panama. Alors, peut-être on peut commencer. André, peut-être euh, ceci est l'occasion de, de parler un peu de notre travail ensemble euh, concernant ce, euh, ce sujet. Peut-être vous pouvez décrire notre approche en général concernant nos missions et euh, notre stratégie euh, dans ce contexte assez difficile, je, je veux dire. OK, well, thank you, uh, thank you, Deputy, and uh, good morning to, uh, to the three of you. It's a pleasure to... Uh, It's a pleasure to be with you. And of course, uh, I have a very special place in my heart for Latin America and the Caribbean, having spent years working there. So, uh, Ana Cecilia, hola, mucho gusto. Um, pour commencer, je dirais d'abord que pour, pour l'approche uh, du ministère uh, dans sa réintégration, dans son plan de réintégration, que ce soit ici à la centrale ou dans l'émission, nous avons adopté vraiment une approche très, très prudente. A cautious approach that is um, uh, adhering to strict guidelines from our public health officials, from our employer, which is the Treasury Board Secretariat, and of course from our employees who respond to surveys and provide us guidance and direction on how we may adjust our approach. So that this is true for HQ and it is true as well for our missions. Missions have been provided with some guidance on how to proceed based on the approach that we've taken in Canada But of course, we recognize that uh, things are very different in, in, in the different regions of the world and, of course, in, in our missions. So we are working with you know, Ambassador Galatza, Ambassador Nichols, and our ambassadors across the network so that we may better respond to specific needs that, um, that arise. The department has also put in place some special provisions so that missions can procure uh, PPE and other supplies that are of equal quality to the PPE and supplies that we are procuring here in, uh, in Canada. As well as on, on our internet sites, uh, there's a special page there for, for missions where there's, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of guidance and tools available for missions, as is the case on Platform Branch's uh, a wiki page on business uh, resumption. 
We've provided also some direction to missions on things like a medevac, on quarantining when returning to missions, uh, when you're returning from abroad, and on providing regular updates on health information. I know, for example, in Ukraine, in Ukraine, we've seen a rise in infections uh, quite significantly over the past little while. And I know that the ambassador and her team are constantly revisiting uh, the risks associated to this and the restrictions and making the appropriate adjustments to the protocols of, of the mission. That is true in Ukraine, and that is true in many other missions uh, abroad, and HQ continues to support our missions in that, uh, in that way. I think I'll stop there, Deputy. Thanks, Andre. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is one of the features of this experience that, uh, of course, it's a pandemic, so it is affecting all parts of the world, but it's affecting all parts of the world in, in unique ways. Um, and maybe, could you just elaborate a little bit? Part of that is also change. Um, we see kind of a uh, rise in numbers in various places and drops in numbers in various places. And, you know, unlike most departments in Ottawa, we are affected by all of those rises and falls just because we have people in, in uh, you know, around the world. Literalement. Alors, quelles sont nos stratégies concernant les faits de changement? So I'll just continue on the Ukraine example, if, if, if I may, for, uh, for a moment, because Ukraine is a good example of what we're seeing in, in other parts of the world. So at the mission, um, we have duty of care for over 100 CBS families and, and Nelia. So that's pretty significant. It's a fair size, size mission. And if we go back to March, so exactly on March 26th, when we started evacuating CBS from, uh, from Kiev, um, on that day, there were 34 cases reported on that case. Just this past Tuesday, there's approximately 355 new cases reported. We're seeing an evolution here in, in the pandemic, not just in Ukraine, of course, but in, in other parts of the world. And while in some countries, the reliability of, of official numbers is, is sometimes questionable, this does, however, paint a picture of a concerning trend with respect to where this, um, this pandemic is going. So missions have no choice but to adapt um, to a very kind of dynamic, very fluid situation by adjusting their posture, by revising their movement protocols, by revising access to the chancery and, and others. Here at HQ, we continue to monitor the evolution of the pandemic um, uh, around the world, and we continue to work with our colleagues at Mission, especially MCOs, um, in terms of providing the support that they need in making those adjustments. I want to say as well that um, as this change occurs and as missions are adapting to this new environment, to th this new world, we are aware that this is having an impact on our staff, on our CBS, on our LES, and we're seeing that through responses, through our responses of the, the public surveys. The third round of the public survey just uh, ended um, uh, a couple of days ago, and we received about 37.6% of responses from missions. We encourage you to continue to do that. This is really important. This has allowed us to make some adjustments as well. For example, our CBS who are coming back to Canada or traveling back to Canada for, for vacation, for whatever reason, are, not, are now allowed to, to telework during their quarantine period. And I also know um, for our CBS that the issue of FSD 50 um, has been a concern lately. It's important to remember that um, the application of FSDs is the result of a negotiation between the bargaining agents and, 
and the employer. But I do understand, though, that the parameters around the application of FSD 50 is currently being reviewed. And without knowing what the outcomes will be, uh, I certainly hope that we'll be able to share some information with our CBS colleagues um, very soon. Okay, thanks, Sandra. Uh, Peut-être, uh, Anastasia, peut-être vous pouvez um, donner un, un, un sens de votre vie actuelle uh, à, à Panama. Quelles sont les stratégies pour uh, traiter ce type d'expérience de, de et pour, uh, you know, dealing with your, your uh, psychological well-being and, you know, your, your sense of general well-being in the workplace? How are you finding this? Good morning, buenos dias to everyone. Thank you for having me today. For myself, on a personal note, I've been baking a lot since the beginning <laughs> of the quarantine. Therefore, I've been exercising too to make up for all the food I've been baking. And I've been trying to keep busy, um, doing my regular work as much as possible, but also every time there's new projects in the office or when we have had the CFLI projects, or activities, I've been trying to join in um, because, as you know, in Panama, our lockdown was very strict since the beginning. We were only able to go out two and a half hours a day, three days a week. Um, so it was overwhelming uh, to start with. So I find that just keeping busy, uh, doing work, talking to my colleagues, we had virtual launches at the embassy. We um, kept calling each other, uh, what do you need? Ambassador Lily was always uh, calling everybody, how's your well-being, how are you feeling, uh, how you feel about work, do you feel that you're progressing? So all those things uh, help. Also, the involvement of the embassy helping in the pandemic in Panama has been great. And seeing that work has been very rewarding, actually and seeing uh, Canada participating and putting a footprint into that. And how, how do you find work? Like you're working from your, your home, I guess, or are you in the mission largely, or is it a combination of the two? It's a combination of the, of the two. Um, I go to the mission twice a week. I find that the work evolves on day to day because uh, I'm, I look after the properties uh, of the CBS so um, many, many of them are in Canada right now. So we and the humidity in Panama is crazy. It's like 90% on one day. So that deteriorates the homes and nobody's there. So uh, we've been keeping an eye on that, visiting the SQ and trying to continue doing maintenances and working very close together with the administrators of the building and at the office because they were even regulating how many people could go in to do work. Um, making sure that they were wearing masks, that they were wearing suits. You see gel dispensers everywhere and, and mats to clean the shoes. And it's been a life change that happened overnight. Uh, it was drastic, uh, but also it, it has been a learning experience, I, I must say. Yeah. Maybe turn maybe to Drew and your experience in Kiev. How are, you, how are you finding things? I'm sure that uh, much of what uh, Anna Cecilia just said resonates in, in the mission generally, but obviously Kiev's having its own experience of this pandemic. How, what's what's your situation? Yeah, thanks for, uh, like Anna Cecilia, thanks for having me on the podcast and a chance to sort of try and tell a bit of our story. Um, I mean, uh, we uh, we care deeply about our staff and so uh, 
part of and so part of that part of a big part of our job uh, like what they face in Panama is trying to find the best mix of Canadian and Ukrainian health guidance to uh, to keep uh, to keep our staff safe. Um, the Ukrainian guidance in particular is in a constant state of flux. Um, the, so we have a lot of staff who are allowed into the chancery. They're actually all allowed, but most actually work from home. I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, we don't have a hard limit, but we do have a couple layers. So we've been trying to keep uh, the first layer is is education. Staff have to uh, people keep their guards up at work, but they don't necessarily keep their guards up in their personal lives. And so a lot of what we're trying to do is keep people as educated as possible so they can make the right decisions in their personal lives. That's where infection at the workplace starts in someone's personal life. Um, this, we also have uh, the second is how we control who gets to come into the chancery, and Anna Cecilia alluded to this. We came into the pandemic pretty lucky as missions go with uh, backup laptops for almost all staff. Um, so we have no hard limit, but we're encouraging telework. And so about 75% of our staff do uh, just choose to work from home. And we find that this giving them agency like that is, I think, and Julie might be able to build on it, is helping their both their work-life balance and their mental well-being in these uh, in these trying times. It also means that if someone develops symptoms, they're probably going to be at home when that happens. We've also realized, uh, like uh, Andre mentioned, that COVID comes in waves. So our plan lets us go forwards and backwards, depending on what's happening out there. So uh, so our our city's rates, as Andre was saying, are pretty are pretty high. They're actually neck and neck per capita with where the Americans are right now. And our host country doesn't necessarily want the music to stop. So we have to make up our own minds these days about what we're turning on and off ourselves. And making up our own minds independent of health authorities is now 80% of my job. Um, so we have to understand the rationale behind every piece of health guidance we get from Canada or Ukraine to try and figure out which one is the best one to follow in our particular situation. And so we're looking at everything. There's different rules on quarantine lengths, testing, contact tracing, use of masks, and we have to figure it all out and find the right balance. Um, and it, because the official numbers, as Andre said, don't tell the whole story, I've even had to start working with Western epidemiologists who are based in Ukraine to try and figure out in-house projections that so we can actually kind of figure out the true risk for staff. We have a couple other layers um, that headquarters has, you know, how you use common spaces and personal protection, distancing and all that. Um, but we also have a couple rules for individual staff um, who do critical services. So we try and make sure that staff, uh, no one infection event takes all of our staff out. So for someone like me, a security guy, I have a deputy, and the rule is we have to avoid each other. One infection cannot take both of us out. Our kids go to the same pool, and as luck would have it, they're in the same class. So we've actually trained other CBS to fill in for us entirely for two weeks. But for every one of our 30 or so critical tasks, we've either figured out prevention rules or recovery strategies as a last resort. Uh, the one other point I want to mention on return to work and what it looks like from a mission side is what the work looks like outside the chancery and what work, return to work means outside the chancery. Because our relationships with our local contacts are core to what we do. And most of our meetings with local contacts are taking place virtually, but some topics are just too sensitive uh, to talk about on an open line. So for those, we have to go in person. 
but that sometimes puts us in situations where we're meeting with people on their turf who are not taking anywhere near the same level of precautions as we do. Not wearing masks, getting too close, bad ventilation, you name it. So for us, a core part of the business now is negotiating the terms of every single meeting we do. Um, we've also done things like turn our back patio. It used to be a social space. It's now a meeting space. It's because where we can set the rules and it's control on our turf. We and care Drew, a lot about uh, uh, Sorry, on that last point, what will you do, Drew, once you get into the winter season? Because you, you've got a similar situation to here in Ottawa and Kiev where you, you, you're going to get some cool months. How, how are you going to manage that in terms of outdoor meetings? We are right now um, just starting to explore the use of... Uh, of uh, heaters and so forth. Um, we have a, a three seasons patio. We actually have pub nights in mid-January on our back patio using uh, these space heaters. So now we're just looking to augment that um, so that we can have a, a, an all seasons meeting space. Not sure if it's gonna work out yet, but we're, we're doing the exploratory work now. Yeah. Well, look, I, you know, I think you've, you've covered a lot of uh, really important points. I, I think, uh, I was struck by your referring to the importance of agency and managing stress because I do think, I think it's a general matter if people feel like they have some control over their lives, that that is in and of itself a way of kind of evading some of the stress that's associated with situations. And it seems particularly true here where these are very, very personal decisions people need to be making about their own health. But we're making that obviously within the context of a mandate that we need to be delivering. And so there's a series of um, conversations that we need to be having both inside and outside in order to reach an appropriate um, balance with respect to this set of issues. So maybe turn to, to Yulia, what's your experience been um, as to you know, managing within this situation? What do you, what do you find particularly helpful in, in kind of achieving um, that that balance in your own life and and both professionally and personally feeling that you're you're uh, you're in the best position you can be good morning i'm happy to be here today and uh, thank you for your question i would also like to start with the routine that you mentioned earlier for me i've been working uh, in the embassy for 10 years so the quarantine and the self-isolation due to lockdown that happened in Ukraine in mid-March, it meant falling out of the huge routine and uh, a lot of challenges uh, coming with that. So when the embassy operations shifted to working from home, for most of us, at the same time, the schools and kindergartens got closed. I have two kids and one is in grade seven and this one was doing his classes online quite independently. He was even very kind to share his desk with me when I was working at my computer. But my youngest son is six and he, is, uh, he has autistic spectrum disorder. He attends a private kindergarten with a full array of special classes to help him develop his skills and deal with many behavioral and sensory issues. For autistic kids, any disruption in classes is a serious issue. So our kindergarten came up with a distance learning program that required my full engagement as a tutor for two hours every morning to make sure my son continues receiving the support he needed. And this was ongoing for three months almost. I was lucky that my management supported me in working flexible hours so I could dedicate much needed time to my youngest son. So I would start my working day later and I would work well beyond the working hours as the workload was not decreasing at all. On contrary, I must say that shifting to online work from home meant more team meetings, more calls with partners, new networks for coordination of the donor support to Ukraine to respond to COVID-19, 
more online briefings and all the preparation that was required for that. We had to become IT savvy, all of us learning new platforms like Zoom and then turning to WebEx and then Teams. A lot of IT skills developed during that time for sure. In June, when schools and kindergartens reopened, I started to appreciate the format of working from home because I was able to sleep a bit longer in the morning and not having to make a long commute to work, which takes me over an hour. I've been to office a couple of times, and I must say that with rigorous rules put in place by Drew and his team, it is very quiet and very um, calm atmosphere to work in right now in the embassy. But when you work from home, the work-life balance becomes challenging. It is too tempting not to turn off your computer after you worked your hours if your to-do list is ever growing. The time difference with Ottawa and the need to catch up with HQ colleagues also contributes to this, and we have seven hours difference. We have recently discussed this issue of extensive workload when working from home and all the stress that comes with it at one of our team meetings. And now I must say that at the end of each day, our deputy director sends a very positive message to the whole team, saying things like, at the end of each day, before you log off, be content with what you have done, be grateful for what you have, and be proud of you, who you are. It really helps to realize that we are all working hard, but there's only as much as one can do in one day. So I'm really grateful to my team and to people like Drew who make sure we are safe and we are equipped to work at home and to do everything we can to work well. Thank you. Well, and I should say, uh, you know, just uh, as as one of the deputies in this organization, and I know I speak for our, our, all, all four of us, we're deeply proud of the work that is being done in the Mission Network. Um, we're very proud of all of you. Like you, you're working in very difficult circumstances. And um, I think the department has done some really extraordinary things over the course of the last six weeks, or six months rather. And um, that's as a result of extraordinary team efforts right across the network, but at, at individual missions as well. So uh, I please know that. Um, what, what would you say for, from your experience, what are the sort of the key things that you would like your colleagues in other missions to know? And what have you learned from other missions? How are you finding the sort of compares and contrasts in this situation? Maybe start with Drew. Okay. Um, thanks for the question. Um, in... In some ways, though, I'm uh, I'm the wrong guy to ask because I I make the rules. Uh, I made the rules, and I sincerely believe they're going to keep our people safe. So just by default, I'm going to feel less anxious than almost anyone else in my embassy um, uh, because I have the most control over the situation. Uh, I'd say that the workplace is going to be one of the few places in your life where everyone is going to be following the same strict rules, you know, with their guards up and with the compliance enforced, um, the employer, like us, I have a big stake in making sure nothing goes wrong at work. But in your personal life, that's not true. And I just, so to keep your colleagues safe, you've got to keep focused on staying safe in your personal life. And if we're all doing that right, the workplace is suddenly not that uh, not that scary a place to be. On the part about other embassies, um, the readiness program managers uh, are constantly talking with each other and sharing best practices and experiences and guidance. Um, I'd say that um, what I have put in place in my embassy isn't the product of just us. It's the product of 
a dozen or so readiness program managers having cobbled together best practices at various points. And I've been able to put it all into my one document for key, but it's the product of, of a lot of groupthink across a lot of different embassies. So it, the network for me has been extremely useful for getting it right here in Ukraine. Um, I think for us, uh, what has really worked is the communication. I was part of the emergency group since the beginning and everything we imply, apply for the embassy, we let everybody know right away. So any security measurements that we take at the office now that we're starting slowly to go back, we let people know what we're doing. For example, we are uh, having the embassy clean and having nebulizations every Monday. So you go for the rest of the week when you go, everything is cleaning and letting our colleagues know we're taking these safety measures so you feel safe if you go to the office. But at the same way, um, something that I have felt that has been uh, really good from uh, the managing team is that we go when we're comfortable. We can telework and we decide if we want to go and do work from the office or if we do it from home. Because, for example, for myself, like Julia said, I have a toddler. So when I go to the office, I have found peace and quiet to do work. So I really appreciate those two days that I do go to the office. And at the same time, I feel that I'm in an, in an environment that is safe, that the, of, the embassy is taking the measurements to keep us safe within the area. Julia? I'm not sure how it is in other countries, but in Ukraine, the traffic is crazy in Kyiv because everyone who is even from time to time using public transportation is now on taxi or on personal vehicles. So my suggestions to colleagues who will be coming back to work, plan well in advance how you're going to get there and uh, flexible arrangements for timing to avoid uh, traffic jams on the streets are also very useful. And this is something that we enjoy in Kyiv, and this is something that I think other missions uh, could also adopt to make sure that the time uh, on the roads, the time in public transport for those who do have to take public transport is limited and as uh, less dangerous as possible. But uh, I would also like to thank Drew, who thinks he makes all these rules, but I would also use this, like to use this opportunity to Thank him for all these rules for keeping us safe because they're they're really uh, gold. Uh, it's not only about the rules; it's about the uh, rigorous information on how the COVID is being transmitted. What are the things that you should not do in the first place? So all this information is equipping us to say to stay safe in our work life, in our personal lives, and to help us take care of our families. So this is very important. What do you do, Drew? Thank you. Hey, can I just pick up on that last point? This will be my last question to all of you. But you know, you've all you've all mentioned your families, which is a very obvious thing to be concerned about in this this situation. And you know, each of us have our own family situations and the own challenges that that those present. But just any kind of reflections you have on how to kind of manage the anxiety that they may be feeling and to kind of um, make sure that you feel you are supporting, um, you're supporting them to the best extent. Any any particular reflections you think could be shared with colleagues that who may be experiencing similar, similar sorts of challenges? 
I'll jump in there. Um, so I have uh, two kids um, and uh, my wife is uh, working and going through school. And then we also have these kids home every second day, uh, distance learning and then in person the other half. So home can get quite hectic. So the flexibility of being able to work from home and set, you know, with my team set stuff around so I can be home when I'm useful is is particularly useful. But I think the other thing we found is that, I mean, we're not alone. Every single one of us is going through this exact same uh, same situation. And putting up, you know, I'm, I'm here in a in a suit, but I'm uh, I'm taking this call from my bedroom. Well, you know, there's a bit of chaos out there. And, and I presume uh, you're wearing shorts. Yeah, <laughs> that came up before the call. Uh, I mean, there's the face there, but we're uh, no no one's alone in that regard. So uh, that's that's all I'd uh, point out on that. And yeah, Cecilia, Yulia, any reflections? I something that I for me that marked the quarantine is that uh, my MCO at a time. I, I will be working from home and my toddler will say that I was doing homework because he sees his older sister doing homework. So he refers up when I'm sitting in the computer that I'm doing tareas, doing homework. And he will get upset because I will be there just hours and come and turn off the, uh, the computer on me and I will get upset because I was in the middle of something. And my MCO, we have uh, weekly bilat meetings over the phone. And we would talk about work and how things are going uh, and everything. And I told her that was happening. And she told me, Ana Cecilia, when that happens, that means that your son needs attention. You need to stop what he's, what you're doing and give him at least 10, 15 minutes. So he calms down and then later you can continue to do what, what you need to do. But you need to give them attention. You're at home now and he doesn't understand that, you know, that you're doing work or that. that. And for me, that was something great to feel that support and also to manage things at work and learn that not at home learn that i have to be able to do both with uh some flexibility Julia? yes i would like to support what anna cecilia just said that management support is critical in this regard because when we are working from home it's very unusual scene for our children and for our partners who are not used to seeing us so dedicated to something else when we are at home. And that can become challenging for our relationships as well. So it is very important to have the flexibility, to have the opportunity to take a break and to um, give that much needed attention to our close ones. And uh, one more thing that um, I would like to say that it is also um, great that we are equipped with all the guidance and that we can share it with our relatives because honestly in ukraine not every organization takes such a good care of their employees as the embassy does uh, for us so i'm gladly sharing uh, some of the guidance that we've been provided with my uh, parents with my parents-in-law even with my husband and this is really um, important and this proved to be very useful and appreciated okay André, avez-vous des réflexions finales en ce qui concerne ce, ce gamme d'enjeu? I have to say that this, for me, it's, it's been really an informative, you know, 30 minutes. And, and if I can say, um, you know, inspiring as well uh, to get to get on the one hand a real sense of 
the challenges that are you guys face out there in, in, in our missions. But also I'm getting this very positive vibe uh, from you on how you're coping with, uh, with the situation, not just you, but, but, but your families as well. It was a real pleasure for me to, to, to be able to hear you on, uh, on, these, uh, on these issues this morning. So thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Okay, hey, uh, pour moi, un grand grand merci à tous. C'est vraiment une, c'était une conversation assez importante, je pense. Uh, uh, I really am very grateful for all the work you're doing, and I'm very grateful that you joined us this morning. So uh, thank you. Take good care of yourselves. Take good care of your families. And we'll, uh, we'll continue these conversations in a number of different formats. But I really appreciate uh, you taking the time this morning. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us for future episodes of The GAC Files, a podcast about the people, issues, and ideas driving Global Affairs Canada. Don't forget to join the conversation online using hashtag GAC Files. Merci d'avoir écouté le balado, et nous espérons que vous vous joindrez à nous pour les épisodes futurs des dossiers d'AMC. Un balado sur les gens, les enjeux et les idées qui animent Affaires mondiales Canada. N'oubliez pas de vous joindre à la conversation en ligne en utilisant le hashtag Dossier d'AMC. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future topics or guests, please send us an email at extott-ldce at international.gc.ca. Si vous avez des commentaires ou des suggestions concernant des sujets futurs ou des nouveaux invités, vous pouvez communiquer avec nous par courriel à l'adresse extott tiret ldce à commercial international.gc.ca